Welcome back to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast, a show all about inspiring smart, busy women to put their happiness at the top of their to-do list. Join your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, as she chats with amazing women who have figured out how to make their happiness a priority, and more importantly, what it's really like to go from hot mess to awesomeness. And now, on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast. I am your host and life coach, Dion Thompson. I am as I say all the time, I'm having like a moment here. I was having a bit of a emotional response to the awesome songs that my guest Jennifer has chosen for us for our dance party before we hit record. And I'm always fascinated. I was telling someone uh, earlier today who may be on the, or will be on the podcast that <clears throat> the songs that my guests choose Yes, it's for them. It's for you. It is for you so that you feel comfortable and everything is great. But it's very much for me because it offers me insight into who you are. And even though you had texted and said, you know, my daughter helped me pick some of this, that in of itself tells me a bit about who you are, right? So I, our conversation today, I have a pretty good idea of the core topic that we are going to talk about. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm mentally preparing for our talk about mental health. And I was like, huh, and those songs and the way they hit me, I just, nothing happens by accident. And I feel like it prepared me more for what we're going to unpack, even though we've actually had a, a couple of conversations about this already. So thank you, Jennifer, for being here with me today and for allowing me to have emotional responses and um, for being willing to um, have a conversation about what that's really all about. So welcome my friend. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so um, as I like to do, um, I mean, you and I met at an event that I had uh, I think not by happenstance, but I know that your sister was there and friends of yours were there. And so that you were there and we ended up chatting and you were telling me about uh, a book that you were writing um, about having a relative mother uh, with mental health and, and sort of your response and your situation, your side. And I was like, my mind just went, holy crap. Because for much of my life, my mother has suffered from a, a mental health issues and some physical health issues that are compounded by mental health issues. And um, it was uh, being the, the child or, and then in some many instances, the caregiver mm -hmm. uh, of that person, I always felt like there was not enough people talking about what my experience was like, not to discount from hers and what she should Absolutely. get and the support and the, yep. and the uh, fortunately ongoing and growing research around what is best for people with mental health and physical health issues. Um, I was like, yeah, but fuck, like, I don't know who, what, who to talk to. And being the oldest daughter, fixer, saver, perfectionist, people, ple like, you know, you name it. I, I was good at it. Um, I just felt like I, I, there was no outlet no like I'm like where's my support group yeah and um so when you had mentioned that this was happening that there were other people having this conversation like oh my god I fucking need to know not just know you but like mm -hmm. I need to like 
like in I have like you can't see what I'm doing here if you're listening to this <laughs> podcast, but I'm literally pulling her into my world. Um, so I'm so grateful. And since we've had a chance to get to know each other a little bit better, I'm I'm just it's really helping me to fill a space and, and gain way more clarity and understanding and sense of belonging and safety and like fuck that not aloneness that um, you know carry with me. My mother has ups and downs, many more ups than downs now, which is lovely. And it doesn't change, you know, my memories and um, those experiences. So to be able to connect with a community of people who are having positive forward moving conversations mm-hmm. um, that include all the people who are with in spillover region of an individual who is going through whatever they're going through. Um, it's such a, such a gift to the world. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That makes me so happy. It really does. That's why we did it. So I'm glad that we're starting it. The seeds are starting to spread and I just can't wait to see where it goes. And I mean, and just a small added bonus, you live in my town. Like, <laughs> you know, there's people who come up to me and they're like, you do all this from like Midland Penetang? I'm like, yes. And you have no idea. There are some amazing people in this beautiful little community who are, um, you know, dropping those stones in the water and creating massive ripple effect. And um, I'm just excited to be, you know, in that ripple. So yay. (laughs) So my friend, Mm -hmm. um, we had a kick-ass dance party. I had an emotional response. So, uh, now we get to talk about you. So (laughs) I, you have a, um, a, a blog, an outlet, uh, a place where you have been putting your thoughts, your ideas and, um, and, and really offering to the world a way to gain clarity on their own experiences through your eyes, your mother's eyes and your sister's eyes. And mm-hmm. I find that beautiful and brilliant. So um, tell me, tell all of us a little bit about um, what you're, what you're doing now, like w- what it is that you have created because it's a unique an amazing way to to shine light on mental health and the stigma mm-hmm. of mental health and, and what goes on inside of it for all the players and and really what brought you to that space um, because you are doing beautiful things now but of course that beauty came didn't from start else. there yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's not as it's not as pretty before so. Yeah, so my mom um, was undiagnosed and untreated with, uh, with a few mental health issues, but the biggest one being bipolar until she was in her early 50s. And she had uh, my oldest sister when she was 17. So all of us were basically born in the first kind of, you know, her late teens, early 20s. So our entire lives were obviously affected by my mom's, um, you know, mental health situation um obviously nobody was talking about mental health at that point I don't even know if bipolar was even on you know the scale you know of you know like psychiatry at that point um so everyone just saw 
you know, the instability, they saw the very unhealthy coping mechanisms, there was drugs, there was alcohol. Um, the instability was not just daily, like as to how is she going to wake up? What's our life going to be like? When is she coming home? It was also like, where are we living? Okay, where are we moving to now? Okay, is dad here? Is dad not here? Okay, what boyfriend are we living with now? Uh, what country are we living in now? Because we were moved back and forth to the States. Um, so it was a lot of instability. Um, schools obviously changing all the time, friend groups changing all the time. Um, so that was kind of like, I kind of feel like our childhood was just about coping. Um, it was just kind of tr about trying to get through the days, get through the weeks, you know, ride this roller coaster wave that we were riding. Obviously, we got to a point, or at least I did, um, you know, kind of early teens, I would say, where you start to realize like, okay, this, this isn't normal. Like, you know, something is clearly not wrong. Like, I can remember even at younger ages, starting to go to friends' houses and realizing, oh, you know, they aren't living the life that I'm living. Like my mom's hot knives, like our knives were hot knives. So it was like, you know, oh, they have knives without burn marks on them. <laughs> like, so it was, it was even small things like that, that you just don't realize, right? Um, and so we kind of like all got to that point. We had asked her many times to stop. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what it meant, but we definitely saw, you know, the alcoholism and the drug use and you know, we just wanted things to be different. Like we didn't know what that meant. We just wanted it to be different. And obviously my mom wasn't well, so it didn't get different. It didn't get better. Um, so we all kind of, you know, made our way through her home um, and then left. And then each of us kind of as adults tried to, you know, figure stuff out and tried to survive now what we've kind of had been through and heal in whatever way that was. For me, um, mom was in a really bad accident when I was 20. So I was in my last year of post-secondary and she had literally totaled every vehicle we had, right? Um, but this time she broke her neck and she broke it really badly. And they basically said that if her, I think it was her C2 or C4, if it hadn't have spiral broken and if it had a snapped, she would have either been not here or she would have been a full-on paraplegic. So for sure, I think that was a pretty big low point for mom. And I can remember mom, it was just me and her at this point in the room. And she was very emotional. We had her back home at this point. And she said, I'm really sorry. And I can't believe you guys are still in my life. And like, that was the closest that she ever got to kind of saying like, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm sorry, right? Um, and I really thought that that was like, okay, we've reached the bottom. Like we can't go any further than here and we're gonna spring up from here. But it would literally be another like 20 years before she got to the top again. Um, so we had, my adulthood with mom was very difficult as well. Um, I actually moved West with my boyfriend, now, hus now husband, and we lived there for seven years. So it was more kind of letters and a lot of phone calls um, and obviously some visits. Um, but then we moved back. And by this time, my sisters had started to have kids. And so things were still not good. And now the second generation was coming around. So we all kind of decided we had different takes on this, but we all decided that, you know, we're, we're done. 
and we each kind of pulled back in different ways. I didn't see mom for almost two years. And then two of my sisters similarly pulled right back. And then one of my sisters pulled back, but in a way that she still saw her, but everything had to be um, like the kids were never alone with her. It was very much right. Like people were around all the time and the visits were few and far between. Um, and that's when that period of time for a couple of years, I think mom realized that, you know, her grandkids were now going to be affected. Um, and she wasn't going to have the relationship she wanted with them. And she got help. And she actually, like, stuck to it. She got a treatment plan. She sought, you know, therapy multiple times a week. And then as that, you know, weaned off to weekly to monthly, um, she was on a medication treatment plan. You know, that took a bit to figure out as to what was going to work. Um, but she figured it out. And, you know, when I saw her two years later, she literally looked like a different person. Mm. And, you know, we were really able to rebuild our relationship. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect, but it was night and day compared to what it was before. Um, and, you know, my mom had her own, obviously she didn't just, you know, this just didn't happen to her, right? Like she had her own things that dealt, she had to deal with from her childhood. Um, and I think that, you know, the big lesson for me with my mom at that point was, you know, she's not going to say, sorry, we're never going to have this big conversation where she's going to have this list of things that she's done. And especially in her state, I, you know, I learned to realize she probably wouldn't even remember some of the stuff, you know, that was super traumatic to us, but that she just doesn't even remember happening. And so it was really about like, I had to forgive her without her saying that she was going to be sorry. And my mom had to forgive people in her life that were never going to say sorry. So that's how I really feel that we kind of came together at that point in her life and in my life. And we were really able to have a good relationship. And, you know, when I had kids, um, my son's 11 now, my daughter's eight. Um, she was like very much a part of their lives. There was, I had no issues. I had never had a thought that there was going to be, you know, trauma that they were going to be dealing with from her being their grandmother. Um, it was literally just all love and light and joy and loveliness. So um, we basically had about 10 years of that <laughs> because um, mom passed away from cancer when she was 60. She had just turned 62 and it happened really fast. We, we had like 10 weeks basically. So when we moved, I basically was living really close to them in Barrie. Um, and then my husband and I kind of waited things out. And then my father also passed away less than 10 months from my mom. And after that, we were like, okay, this is way too different here now for us. Um, and so we wanted to be close to family again. And so my sister in Ottawa, that was a little bit too far away for us. So my sister in Penetanguishene, um, that became our new home. So when we moved here, um, you know, career-wise, I had always been involved in art and design. I'd gone to design school and then I had transitioned into the film industry. And then when I moved back to Toronto, I started my own production company with one of my best friends. Um, and so I had done that for years in Toronto and I was teaching at Ryerson part-time. And then when we started to have kids, things just changed, obviously financially. Um, like my daycare bill was a hundred bucks a day and I just couldn't 
like it would just, we couldn't make it work financially anymore. So at the same time, my husband's business was growing and they needed to have an Ontario office. And so we were looking outside of Toronto. So that's what kind of brought us to Barrie. So when we transitioned up to Barrie, it was like a natural, okay, film industry is going to go away. And then I kind of was, you know, taking a break, trying to figure out what my next moves were. Um, my oldest was four at the time and he was diagnosed with Asperger's. I mean, they, I'll call it, you know, autism spectrum disorder now, but basically Asperger's. So it was kind of a good time for me to be taking a step back. There was a lot to figure out and a lot to deal with. Um, and my, my mom was a godsend during those years, like literally a godsend. Um, and so as we were moving back to Penetang, I had been slowly building, trying to create another business. And I got into leather work and I love to design the bags and I had done some prototypes and like it had really grown into, okay, this is going to be it. This is going to be my next business. So when we moved to this area, I was really ready to move out of the house and get something. Mm -hmm. So I had actually found a co-working artisan space in Barrie, which I was like, of course, I moved to Pentango Sheen and I got something in Barrie. <laughs> Um, but I was so thrilled. I was like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. It's going to be awesome. And then my son just crashed again. Mm -hmm. And uh, he ended up having severe anxiety, panic attacks every day, couldn't leave the house. And so everything was put on hold again. And we kind of got through that, which was literally COVID is basically what saved us. <laughs> I know, I know it's crazy to say that, but COVID actually let us stop and pause. Um, and so moving forward, I was like, okay, maybe I should stick closer to home. So I, I, I rented a studio space in January and I renovated it. And then in March, we obviously had to shut down. Um, but I'm at that point where, so we have a studio space. Um, I named the company after my parents, Marty and Michael. And I really wanted it to somehow be a social entity. Like I knew that that's where I had to go this time. I've always wanted to do something regarding giving back, somehow paying it forward for mental health, always. Um, and so I had kind of come up with the idea of, okay, you know, not everybody wants to just give money to a charity or to an organization or to a whatever. So if I give them a product, then I could pull a portion of that profit out of that sale and that can go towards the mental health initiative. So that's what we've done. So we've structured it that way. Um, and on the mental health side of things, we have two blogs that we do on a weekly basis. We have our stories and we have your stories. So we're trying to, we're trying to create an online library of content um, of people who are, you know, have a loved one who has mental health um, issues or illness for the specific reasons that you brought up at the beginning that, you know, to not feel alone, to somehow have a place where you can feel like everyone knows what you're going through, um, you know, have stories that resonate, have stories that are meaningful, that might help you. Um, your story would help other people. Um, so that's what we're doing with the blogs. Um, we also have the book that I was talking to you about. It's coming out, um, a bit delayed for COVID, but I'm pretty sure it's, we're going to be able to make it happen for the spring. And what I've done is I've curated my journals, my mom's journals, and then letters between each other. And it's over this kind of 35 year period of kind of, you know, 
just trying to survive and then trying to cope and then trying to heal. And so it's a guided journal in that we have these excerpts all throughout it, but then it's very much a blank journal for you to journal yourself. And obviously I'm hopeful that people will want to share their stories with our, our blog and they can do so anonymously, it does not in any way have to be, you know, your name and names of other people. Um, and just, you know, keep creating that conversation and just keep making this bigger and bigger. Um, and the other thing that I'm going to start this year as well is a subscription box quarterly, and it's going to be a mental wellness box. So we're going to, you know, basically meet up with other companies and it'll be other socially like social entities that are also trying to, you know, they're in that mental wellness, mental health space and, you know, just try to, again, you know, more tools and more companies and more conversation about this big thing that we're all trying to keep talking about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have so many questions. Um, the, there's so many stages of, of personal evolution that um, one must go through. And as one does, regardless of whatever anybody else is doing around us, you know, we, we grow up and we learn and we try to figure shit out. Um, and I'm, I'm interested in what it was for you that you connected with and what resources, people, ideas, concepts, practices um, kept you moving forward. Um, because I think that for those of us, very much me included, it was, it, it's the, the work, like the inside work Mm -hmm. that sometimes I wasn't even conscious of why I was doing it. I just knew that I needed to journal. I just knew I needed to walk, right? Like these yeah. pieces, um, I think bef way before my understanding of the value of grounding practices and, and mental wellness, anything, um, there were things that I gravitated towards, which I now look back and go, fucking thank God that a part of me knew well enough to do that. Right or right. to talk to that person or to get away from that person or whatever yeah. it might've been. Yeah. So before you really started taking this initiative um, and, and having it come through you for others, mm -hmm. what was it that you were using, doing to, to work through the stuff you had to go through? I would definitely say journaling was something that was at the, the fore. Like I didn't even, again, exactly what you said. I had no idea when I was eight years old and started to journal that I'd be here, right? And like my sister said, Teresa, the other day, she's like, how is it through all of our moves, those journals you were able to keep? Like it's, it's unbelievable, right? Um, so I think for me, and obviously everybody has their, their different thing, but for sure journaling and just, you know, kind of now I call it the morning pages, right? Where it's just, just getting it from the head and from the heart and onto the page. Um, that has been probably my biggest kind of like easiest, quickest personal tool. Mm -hmm. um, and then, I mean, I definitely, I've read a lot of books about, you know, kind of, I think for me, the evolution definitely was also in understanding what mom was going through. 
Um, you know, as you're a child, you have no idea. Nobody says anything to you. They don't put it in a way that you can understand or that you can digest or they don't give you any tools. Um, and so I think that I did that on my own as an adult. And obviously most of my sisters did too. And we really kind of tried to immerse ourselves in information and knowledge. And, you know, that has a really, that's a big piece of this puzzle right, is understanding what is going on for them. You know, when there are certain behaviors or there's certain reactions, you know, if you understand it's the disease and it's not the person, that's a really big step when you have somebody in your life with mental health. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, like I've always been attracted to yoga, not that I do it all the time, but I've been attracted <laughs> to it. Um, meditation, not that I do it all the time, but it's like, you know, just reading a lot about like, trying to be as even and as level as possible um, so that when this instable, reactive, up and down mom in my life, you know, if, if I could be like this as much as possible, then I might be able to react and absorb that. Maybe less triggers will go off. Um, I think that's what I really learned in my kind of my 20s was kind of to try to get to that place. Um, I think the other thing is that because you can do all these things, but if you don't have a mind shift, it doesn't really matter. Right. Right. Um, then it's just a to do. Exactly. Like, I did it. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So I think a really, really big shift happened for me. Like uh, one of the films that we did, I was shooting down in Guatemala. It was a documentary film and it was about the Mayan people who, um, were basically getting some help from an NGO out of Calgary. And the Calgary NGO was helping them to build cinder block houses, which obviously was like an enormous change for them from what they were living in. And because of the rainy seasons, these, the women, all the moms in these families were weavers and they would weave like these, like, you know, 20 foot long pieces of fabric and they would do it outside because they never had enough indoor space. Um, so this was, they were basically creating a sustainable you know, environment for them to be able to work longer and also hopefully have a ripple effect on their family and their children, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that I remember after the first, uh, the first trip, we made two trips down there. Um, and obviously, you know, you don't have to go to another country to learn this lesson. We have this right in Canada too, but uh, it's, you know, people living with nothing, but who are happy. And I think that there was a big shift for me and all the research that I did in, you know, the Mayan, you know, just, just about how they lived and how they were living and how, how much, how hard their lives had been, um, you know, with everything going on civil war wise, etc. And it was, it really boiled down, I felt to expectation. And you know, if you have an expectation that your life's supposed to be A and it ends up being B, then how are you ever going to be happy if it's B? And so that was a big shift for me is that, you know, what they're taught is you're not supposed to just be happy. There's also going to be suffering. You know, life is not supposed to be easy. You know, you're, you have feelings for a reason. You're supposed to feel sad. You're supposed to feel mad. You're supposed to feel happy. Like, you know, you can't grow as a human being. You can't, you know, become wise as an adult if you don't go through stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I think that that was a big shift for me because I think especially in our world, we're not taught that, mm -hmm. you know, we're not taught that, 
life is supposed to be hard. Not to say that you're supposed to be coming from everything as a negative, you know, oh, when's, you know, the, when's the shoe going to fall kind of thing. Um, But you definitely, I think, have a different perspective on life if when those things do happen, you know, you're not crumbling or you're not like, oh, woe is me that you're somehow, you know, a victim of, you know, yet again, something is happening. So I think that was a really big shift for me. And I definitely feel like, you know, the last five to eight years I've dealt with in a different way because of that, like having loss and and dealing with all those things that we've dealt with, with him and then losing both my parents so quickly. And we also lost my mom's sister in there too. So it was like three family members in 10 months. Um, you know, and just all the ups and downs with my next, you know, getting Marnie and Michael off the ground. I think that, you know, I've definitely dealt with things differently. And I look at life way differently than I did when I was in my 20s. Absolutely. There's a couple of pieces that really stuck out for me in what you were saying, and all of it resonated deeply. Um, That idea of, of balance, and it's, I wanted to giggle a little bit because that second song, again, that song of hope, she just constantly kept talking about the highs and the lows and the highs and the lows and didn't want to be on the highs and the lows. I'm like, right. Cause it's not, you, you experience the highs and the lows, but it's about, it's not about achieving constant highs, right? It's about trying to find this space where we can continue to move forward. um, Knowing that there will be bumpy road and, and challenges and things will be hard. And, you know, we talk, you know, my, in my world, I called it this idea of being awesome and practicing sort of a state of awesomeness. And, mm-hmm. and really what it comes down to for me is this idea of resilience and resilience. I mean, that's a whole other clearly yeah. massive area, especially right now. Um, but it's that understanding that things can be hard and it doesn't mean that, um, that you have the tools. Like, again, to quote Glennon Doyle, we can do hard things. We just have to show up to it yeah. and recognize that the hard thing doesn't, isn't the forever thing. And it isn't the defining of who we are as a person thing. It's, yeah. um, it's, it's part of this process and, and gives us that gift of being able to do the highs and the lows and still yeah. continue to move forward in in sort of this sort of balanced state. One of the thing that I, I was curious about was, was what role uh, did creativity play for you as an artist, as a designer? Um, how did that weave in and out of your growth and healing? Um, I would definitely say that was, you know, like the, the creativeness that I was able to do with writing, um, uh, you know, was, was definitely part of it, but I'm, I'm very much, you know, kind of more of a visual or hands-on kind of tactile um, creative person. And I, I don't think my childhood would have been as easy for me if I wasn't a creative individual. Um, I was always in art class. I was always doing anything I could to be creative. I had sketchbooks at home all the time. Um, You know, in high school, I took art all the way through and I went to design school because I very much, you know, wanted to have a creative life, right? I wanted to somehow figure out how to be creative and how to make a living. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, (laughs) it's like, you let me know. (laughs) Um, I think I have it nailed this time though. Yeah, you know what? Because you've you've brought in a few extra pieces and and I think that you you figured out the equation here. (laughs) Yes, I think I do. I think I do. Um, But I, yeah, I would say that um, I, you know, I went to design school, loved it. And then I kind of went out into the world and became an interior designer. And I loved it for a certain amount of 
time, but then it just really became about billable hours and how many hours you could work. And, you know, I was just getting burnt out and I got burnt out. Um, and then I, you know, just kind of was like, okay, if I'm going to shift everything, why don't I shift big time? So again, the art department, my art design background, I got into the art department, I got an internship to go into the art department and then also got a producing internship to go work for this, you know, company in Edmonton. And so that was, you know, okay, I love the art department, but I love the producing side of it where you're like literally like at the top looking down and you're, everything's coming together, right? Whether it's the financing side or it's the creative side, it all gets pulled together and, you know, goes from this little idea to this film, you know, or show. So I'm seeing parallels to a whole kind, like the experience of, what you've put together and like as a producer, if you were to just stretch it that the meaning of that word out just a little bit, yeah. um, because really what you are creating now and as a uh, creative, like as an onlooker going, oh, so fascinating. Um, I, I love how you are using your joy, your talents, your skills and bringing in that creative component and making it financially viable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just wanted to comment on this whole idea of creative, because yes, you went to design school and you did all these things and then sought out career opportunities that um, allowed your, your creative side to flourish. And as someone who believed I couldn't be creative to save my life, my whole life, except for when I was very young, um, and then came to that very clear understanding through science, because that's the way I approach life, um, <laughs> was that we are all born and that it is through our creativity that there is um, this opportunity to problem solve in a way that aligns with how we want to feel. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a great problem solver. I'm, I'm a great decision maker. And unfortunately, some of the decisions I make are pretty incongruent with me as a person because they're very logic and supposed to and this following a pattern. But when I follow my creative energy when I allow myself to just get fascinated and and just put things out for the sake of putting things out in my own way, um, the decision-making process, which is still important, it it is is way more aligned with me as a person. So I can wake up every day and go, yeah, cool. So I'm not sure where I'm gonna go, but it it feels a lot better. So for those that are listening that perhaps are new to the concept of creativity or are interested in journaling, for mm-hmm. instance, and are like, well, I'm not a writer and I don't know what to do. And, and um, the, the spark of creativity exists within all of us. It's whether or not yeah. we choose to fuel it or not that will yeah. determine how big and how far it can take us. Or and not I'm, stop it. Exactly. It's kind of like that never ending light, right? Yeah. Like just constantly going and it's sometimes it's small and sometimes yeah. it's big. Um, and I, and so again, I'm, I'm intrigued on how you have kept that light lit Mm -hmm. and now are really using it to stick with the analogy to illuminate so many others. (laughs) 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 So, um, so tell me about how you now have pulled together the producer in you, the Mm -hmm. leather work, the Mm -hmm. blog, and it's all it's mm-hmm. happening. Um, what is what is out there for those of us to consume? How can we um, get on board with Marnie and Michael? 
Well, I, I think that the key change this time around for me was that I created a business that was going to fit into my life, not the opposite way around, right? So brilliant. And that is literally the change. So, you know, I like one of my a good, uh, my cousin was, uh, we were just chatting the other day and she's just like, okay, I need to talk to you because like, I want to make some changes. And like, what did you do? And like, how did you get here? And I just thought, I said, sit down and ask yourself what kind of a lifestyle that you want. Like if you are in this position where you could actually do this, like financially you're okay. And like you can, and even if, you know, you only have two or three months saved, whatever it is, the very first thing, especially at, you know, I'm 44, I have two children, one has high needs. I have a husband who has his own business. Like I've now launched my next business, right? It's like, what's going to work for your lifestyle. And by lifestyle, you know, it's, you know, how much time do you want to spend with the family? What do you want it to look like? You know, do you want to work from home? Do you not want to work from home? You know, like it's all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we learn that as we go along. So um, that, that's definitely, that was the biggest thing as I started to sculpt this. Um, and then I just, I, I, I wanted to have a viable business this time. So I was like, okay, I want to create something. I want to be creative. I want to hands-on be creative. Um, so that's how, you know, I got into leather work. I knew how to design. So I was able to design my own patterns, you know, and I just started to do prototypes and I started to get people to, you know, figure out, I started to test things Mm -hmm. and everything was super successful, even though it's a really small line right now. Um, and so I've just, I'm waiting. I didn't wait for everything to be perfect. Right. It's like, you, you kind of pick those things to build things on. Um, the first thing I did was I launched the blog in the summer. I mean, I had the space, but couldn't do anything with it. Right. Um, <laughs> it was there. There. <laughs> it was waiting. Um, and so I um, created the website. That was the first thing that I did. Um, I created the blog because it was very important to me that this be very much about the mental health initiative. And I wanted people, I felt that the mental health initiative should come first so that when people are buying products, they understand where the profits are going. So created the mental health initiative and started blogging. We started in August and we've already had over a thousand people read them. So, you know, that's pretty good. We're definitely getting out there. Um, And then as kids went back to school, um, which I made mine go to school, especially for Lawson, because he had not gone to school last year. Um, That's when I was able to really, okay, start to build the team. So I already, so then it was about just producing and finding the right people. Um, And so we have also, on top of all that, I was already, I was developing the book that we'll be putting out in the spring. And then I was also a part of another book that was called, um, it's called Mompreneur Memoirs. And so that launched on Amazon in the fall. And so it was myself and 11 other women talking about this, like talking about, I'm a mom, I'm a business owner. What hurdles have I had to go through in life to kind of get to where I am right now? And, and also what's your definition of success? Like, I think that's another really, really big one. Um, You know, for me right now, it is not about my profit margin. It's just about that. I actually get to leave the house every day. My son goes to school, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I get to go to a studio and I have a team and we get to produce bags and I get to write the blogs and I get to, you know, just put out what we're putting out. So I just, I want to comment on something which may seem small to some, but to me in my world and to the women in my world is 
I think about six times you just said that I get to. And so many women are doing successful things, but it's riddled with have tos and it's riddled with expectations that aren't really theirs. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you, you had said, as you were talking to your friend about, you know, what is the life that you want to design? You want to design a life that challenges you. Sure. Yeah. I want to feel challenged. I want to do things and like learn things. And I want to wake up every day and go, I get to, yep. I, I get to go and like, go, ah, blow my brain, exciting this, all the stuff. And I get, I get to work on something that I'm going to fail at. And then I'm going to fail at, and I'm going to fail at, and then it's going to be great. And I get to, and I get to it. So I just, I just wanted to point that out because now I'm, I'm so attuned to hearing whenever women are saying it, I want to highlight it. I want to shine a big lights on it. I want everybody else to hear it and see it so that they too can become more attuned to it. And then the listeners can hear themselves say it. And then when they hear themselves say it, then reinforce whatever it is they're saying it about and bring more of that into their life. Yep. So I personally think that should, should be like taken out of the English language. <laughs> right? It's the other S word that I don't let my kids use, right? Like, no, no. It, you don't realize what it's doing to yourself when you have it in your vocabulary so much. Right. So it's not a yeah. good word. <laughs> and then, so ask yourself, if you can't replace, if I get to with this, then, then, take that pause, reflect on what it is that you're going to do instead. Right. right. So, yeah. Um, please. So you have the blog, which I love and enjoy yes. and cry at and laugh at and feel connected to. And so thank you for that. And the beautiful shop mm-hmm. and the wonderful products that you're making, mm-hmm. which I would say at this point, when this particular podcast airs, there may be some of your products with some of my logo on it at some point out in the future. Thing, very excited to be supporting Marnie and Michael and all the initiatives that you are building. Um, so, so kind of like what what's happening now? Like what's going on? We got the book is coming out in the spring. Yeah, so we've got the book coming out in the spring, and, and we can link to the other book as well. I mean, yes, I, I definitely want people to be able to uh, yep. access that. Yeah. So Mompreneur Memoirs, uh, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or my website, it's all on there. Um, So you can link to that and that's uh, Amazon. So it's paperback or digital copy. And then um, our uh, guided journal kind of meets mini memoir. Um, It will be finished in January, but I'm trying to hang on to it. I'm hoping that we could have like a physical launch Mm -hmm. around Mother's Day. That's what I'm hoping. And so I'll be launching the book around that um we're obviously expanding the product line so that we can you know expand that way uh we're going to move into the wholesale market so we're going to expand that way um and we're going to continue to do lots of outreach on the mental health side of things uh i'm really hoping to get more people comfortable with sharing their stories um you know right now like my sisters and i uh, along with you know i take excerpts of my mom's journals as well that's kind of the heavy lifting of this library, but I would really like to get to the point where, you know, it's also other people submitting. We've had some submissions, but um, I definitely need to, you know, try to encourage people to also submit their stories. Um, so that's something that we're really... Is there, is there like a Google form, a link uh, of something that you can, sh- that I can share and, and... Yeah, so there's a submission form on our website. So okay. 
Yeah. So all through the website, you can kind of click on that and you just put in your information and put in, you know, what you'd like to share with us. And then it comes to me and, and I edit it if it needs to be edited or I discuss things with you and then we submit it. So in all every, on our, on our website, we have all the blogs. So they're all accessible through our stories and your stories. Um, and then, as I said, uh, in the beginning, we're going to start these subscription boxes. So that'll be another big thing with the mental health initiative. Um, and that's all I know so far. <laughs> so, and that's plenty <laughs> from, from coming from someone who likes to have like many things on the go simultaneously. I know that that is a solid amount of things. Um, so where does your, um, funding go? What is the, so. The 15% of the um, profit that we take uh, goes towards, obviously goes towards um, like some of our, just our overhead of having like staff who are dealing with the outreach for the mental health initiative um, of growing the, you know, the digital side of it, obviously hosting all of that. Um, The mini journal meets memoir, like that's, you know, purely we're funding that. Right. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's going towards part of that. And then also we'll be donating some of the items that are in the wellness boxes. Mm-hmm. So that's also part of, you know, where the funds go to at this point. Awesome. Oh, Jen. I didn't okay. cry. I didn't cry. I know. I was like <laughs> this close. And then do you know what? So since the second we, we hit zoom, yay, here we are. We both started laughing and I'm like, Oh, I know what we're doing because we were both mentally preparing absolutely for this potential okay earlier this this morning i was like i'm gonna be falling (laughs) i was ready ready um and and uh the laughter and the emotional experience is is has been here and i'm super grateful for you and uh you taking the time to speak with us today and and for everything that you're doing for all of us. And um, it's greatly appreciated and needed and necessary and valued. And um, yeah, so thank you. So thank you very much. Um, I would like to, as I do, because I I only invite brilliant women onto my show, um, is I always like to get a little bit an idea a thought what is something that you would want someone to walk away from from today from all the things that you shared what is is something that you want to leave them with uh be your own hero Hmm. okay we're gonna be (laughs) titling the podcast here see now i'm crying (laughs) Ah, spoke too soon. Oh, thank you. Thank you everybody for, for listening and being part of this community. And if you are interested in being part of this conversation, yes, I will share the link. So if you have something to share uh, for the Marnie and Michael blog, then I will make sure that that happens. And if you want to be part of the hot mess to awesomeness podcast, community conversation, then join us over at theawesomenessacademy.com and and join us any level of member and and jump in on that podcast chat. And they're in a safe space that we can continue having this conversation um, 
for all the episodes and with all the brilliant women that we have, um, because we are not alone. And it's through the gifts that we bring to the table that we can share our light with others and, um, and learn so much from each other. So thank you everybody for being here and have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join Dion again next week to learn more about what you can do to go from hot mess to awesomeness. Thank you.